Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Come on, can you give the Lord a shout of praise today? As you're being seated, amen. Turn the lights on, friends. So good to see you today. I'm glad you're here. If you are a first-time guest with us, we are honored to have you in the house. Remnant Church, can we give our guests a big hand? (laughs) Boy, I would say I was sweating it, but that'd be obvious. But I couldn't find my notes. (laughs) But I'm sweating anyway, and I found them. And y'all better be glad I found them, because if not, this service was going to go a long time until I hit everything I want to hit. It's so good to have you today. Today, after the, uh, this service, we've already had two services. If you're new to Remnant Church, we've already had a 9 o'clock service, and we had a great time in the presence of the Lord and a great crowd, and I'm glad that you are here today. You know, in a time where churches are on the decline, good to see one on the incline. Amen? And uh, he is worthy of our praise, and he is worthy of our glory and all the honor. And so I'm glad you're here today. And... Um, I want you to turn to Daniel. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. Daniel um, chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Today I want to bring you a hard truth. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard truth. Um, but, uh, and it may make you upset. Um, my, my, my job and my intentions are not to make you upset. But at the same time, I want to say the truth. I want to speak the truth today. Everybody okay with that? long as you speak, preach the truth, if it hurts your feelings, you okay with that? All right, because I promise you, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to make you mad with me. In fact, this week, I don't know when it was. Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, I, well, it don't matter. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. If you don't understand it, whether you accept it or not, here's the truth. There is a system in this world that wants to destroy your children, your family, those you love dearly. And there is a main, there's a way in which the king of this world is doing that. And you say, well, who's the king of the world? Satan is the king of the world. He is the king of this world. Now, he doesn't have free reign. But he does get to do what God allows him to do. There is coming a time where he will not be able to do not one thing. His time will be finished and it will be over for him. But there is a season, and this is a season that we are in, where the king of this world will try to persuade, try to get people's focus off of Christ, to get them to exchange what they know to be the truth for what he props up as a lie. And we are in a great, I see it as a pressing, as a tug, as a pulling, as a war. We are in. You know, one of the reasons we could not defeat the Vietnamese is because we were on their territory. They knew where to hide. And I read also that a lot of our soldiers would wind up shooting our own soldiers friendly fire because we could not determine who was the enemy. And friend, there's a lot of people who are going by the wayside in friendly fire. We are thinking that this person and that person is our enemy. But our enemy is not flesh and blood, the Bible says. Our enemy is Satan himself. Until we move the target, until we recognize who our enemy is, there is no way, no way. Are you with me, church? If your neighbor falls asleep, I give you the right to punch him. I pastor this church. Don't try to take that over to the First Baptist Church because it ain't going to work now. But you, you can punch them over here. There is 
deception that has crisscrossed this land and this country. There are people being taken captive spiritually. And there are a lot of people who are believing the lies of the enemy. And I want to expose to you truth. I'll ask you to keep moving down to a minimum, please. Please. The service has already started. Daniel chapter 1, we're going to see where a king called Nebuchadnezzar takes over the city of Judah. These are where the Jewish people lived, God's chosen people. And the Bible says that God gives them over to Nebuchadnezzar, this king of Babylon. Now this is important. Why? Because we read where God gave them over. Did you know God will give you over? Did you know God will uh, say, Satan, you can do that to them. Some of the things or everything, everything that's going on in this world today, God allowed to take place. You say, I don't believe that. Not my God. My God's a good God. Your God is so good that he'll let you hit bottom. Your God is so good that he'll let you make a mess of your life so that you have nowhere else to look but to look up. He is such a good God that he will allow you to burn every one of your bridges until you have to call out on nobody else answers the phone and the only person that answers is Jesus. And he's just that good. The Bible says the Lord turned them over to King Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Because of their rebellion and their worship of false gods. Here we go. Daniel chapter 1. You ready? In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to the king of Babylon along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Now here, there's a good guy and a bad guy. I guess I need to clarify that. The bad guy is King Nebuchadnezzar. He is a king of Babylon, and they worship foreign gods. And then, well, he ain't good either, but the king that should be doing right, but he ain't doing right, Jehoiakim. And the region, the people, the Jews, who should be doing right, but they ain't doing right. They are taken, they are taken over by the king of Babylon. And I want to point this out to you it says and the Lord handed King Jehoiakim this is verse 2 of Judah over to him along with some of the vessels some of the vessels from the house of God Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon to the house of his God which was no God and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. Here's point number one, and there's a bunch of points today. Here's point number one. The church has been vandalized. Here we read that they went and took the vessels of the house of God and put them in the vessels or put them in the treasury of of Nebuchadnezzar's place of worship, which was a false place of worship. And today, the church has been vandalized. Some things have been stolen. You say, Pastor, what's been vandalized? What's been stolen? Truth. Sad to say, you can go in a lot of churches today and you will not hear the truth. You will hear people tell you what you want to hear. Things that will make you feel good. But it is not the truth. The Bible says they have a form of godliness, but they have no power. Listen, I can preach to you things that can make you shout, make you smile, and make you feel good. But if they don't lead you to a life of holiness, what I'm telling you does not matter. It is not important. I'm no more than an actor giving you a, 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 a time of entertainment. But I'm telling you, I am no actor. I am a beggar. I am a messenger of God telling you, repent, get ready for the kingdom of the, of the Lord is at hand. It's time to make things right. It's time to say this is wrong and this is true. There is no more mixing it. There is no more saying, well, I don't know. I know there is only one way. And his name is Jesus. Give him praise. The church has been vandalized. 
ransacked, if you will. And while the church has been ransacked and vandalized of truth, let me tell you what has happened. Believers, here's point number two, have been desensitized. What does desensitized mean? It means you've lost the shock. Sin no longer shocks you anymore. You can see ungodliness, and it used to bother. You see, now listen. Now, now I grew up in the old church, the Pentecostal church, where if you sneezed wrong, you was going to hell. Let me tell you something. I understand there was some error to that. But let me tell you something. There's some truth in some of that teaching, too. They would tell you to, I'm fixing to come down here now. They would tell you to shun evil. They would remind us of the scripture that said, don't even joke about what somebody's done. Don't even mention the sin they have committed. Listen, that's serious, friend. That sounds like that's on the other side of the spectrum than where the church is at today. Where everything's okay. It ain't no big deal. It's all right. It's amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Yeah, but he's a holy God. And he's got fire in his eyes. And he demands holiness. And he's not wanting no halfway disciple. He's wanting somebody who will shun the wrong and look and stare in the, his face and say, God, if I have to give my life for you, I'll give my life to you. I'll consider the cost. Whatever it is, God, I want to make you, I want to live holy until living holy makes me happy. But we've been desensitized. Sin isn't as sinful as it used to be, is it? I used to, somebody told me, I don't remember who, who said this, but they said, when it comes to watching TV and you don't know what to watch, what would you watch in front of your grandmother? Would you watch that in front of your me mama? See, I don't have just a grandmother. I got a me mama. And that's supposed to keep us straight, right? How about this? The Bible says that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. Oh, ain't that great? I love that. But you know what also that means? Wherever I go, Jesus goes. Whatever I watch, Jesus is watching. Whatever I'm jamming out my car, cranking my system up to, boom, boom, boom all around town, Jesus gets to listen to. Whoever I'm talking about, Jesus is listening to all that. Whoever I'm having over for lunch, and I ain't talking about you invited them over, you chewing them up and spitting them out, Jesus is there. But that's not that bad anymore, is it? We have become desensitized to sin. We, okay, let me say it like, we don't maybe do the things that some of those bad people are doing, but we don't mind being entertained by the things they're doing. I believe homosexuality is a sin. Yeah, but you love to watch your little homosexual couple on TV. Am I preaching all right? Let's get mad all at one time. You're entertained by that. But there was a day where sin shocked you. Where you did not, sin made you, it was repulsive to you. It made you sick. You hated it because you knew God hated sin. You knew it broke the heart of God because God gave his son to die on the cross for our sin. And so you hated sin because you loved God. But what has happened? First, you are not hearing truth anymore. And therefore, the church has been vandalized of truth and you have become desensitized. And what you would not even speak of now, you are entertained by. Now, this is truth, church. This is me. My TV needs a Holy Ghost baptism. 
My radio needs to be a holy, has, need to have, needs to have a Holy Ghost baptism. There's some things in our houses that need to get out of our houses. There's some things in our lives that don't have any room in our lives. We need to clean out the junk drawer. Everybody got a drunk, junk drawer in their house? You know what I'm talking about? You may not know what I'm talking about. It's the one where you got that control that you don't know what it goes to. It's in that drawer. Pins without lids in the drawer. Random batteries. You don't know if they work or not. Where's it at? It's in that junk drawer, ain't it? A key. You don't want to throw it away because it could be so much, so, something important. Now, you ain't been in it in 10 years. But guess where that key's at? It's in that junk drawer, ain't it? With a brush. There's a brush in there. Y'all got it now? That junk drawer. And everybody, everybody in their spiritual life, if they're not careful, they'll get a junk drawer. Instead of getting it out, you take it in. You take it, come on now. Oh, no, you don't let everybody see it. See, the thing about the junk drawer is it ain't out for everybody to see. No, 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 the junk drawer, oh, the house looks spotless. But you ain't touched the junk drawer. Right? Somebody gets close to the junk drawer, they're looking for forks in your house or something. Say, whoa, 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 no, 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 not there. Not over there, over here. What you doing over there? You don't want nobody. <laughs> you don't want to go in there. What you doing? You don't go in there. You're crazy. No, because that's the junk drawer. And we have, if we're not careful, we'll get a junk drawer in our life. Things we should be getting out, not trying to keep, but trying to say, I don't want any part of that. I don't want it in my life, but we got this place where we hide it and we keep it. And if we need it, we know where to pull it out. We know where it's at and we can pull it open and we can get it. We have been desensitized. Sin is no longer sinful. But I'm telling you, sin is exceedingly sinful. I'm telling you, sin is a killer. I'm telling you, sin steals, kills, and destroys. Sin wrecks homes, wrecks families, wrecks lives, separates husband and wife, tears away kids from their moms and from their dads. Sin, sin is terrible. Sin is wicked. Sin kills and destroys. But we become desensitized. While we become desensitized, guess what? The church has compromised. It's not that bad anymore. It's okay. You know what? Your opinion really doesn't matter. Neither does mine. What matters is what God says. And I choose to believe what God says. I don't care how much pressure is on me to change the way I see the truth, to believe this to be the truth. I don't care how much pressure is on me. Yesterday I opened up my, my uh, what do you call that? My messages. I got a beautiful message. This man cussed me for everything I was worth. He said, well, what did you do to him? Absolutely nothing. Preached the gospel. No, you know what he got mad? Because I told, I put on Facebook what I'm going to preach today. I thought, you're mad about that. You should come and listen. <laughs> he cussed me for everything I am worth. I would read it to you, but you couldn't take it. It, it, your ears would start bleeding. It's so vulgar and so bad. You thought, well, did you tone it down a little bit? No. You know what I done? I didn't tell Holly because she don't want nobody talking about a big daddy. <laughs> so they want to break a little heart. So I read it. As I was reading it, oh, I felt sorry for him. I did feel sorry for him. But as I was reading it, I couldn't help but start smiling. Oh, it was long. It was so long. I thought, man, he took his time to write me this. This is an essay here. And I read it. The more I read it, the more I smiled. He said, Pastor, why was you smiling? Because I make his demons mad. I make his demons mad. And I said, I'm, and if I'm preaching truth, it'll make the devil mad. If you stand up for truth, it'll make the devil mad. Something's going on different, wrong. Something's happened if I ain't getting messages like that. You know, something's wrong if they're not calling this church the drug church. 
You know, there's something wrong if they don't call this church the crazy church, the wild church. And the list could go on. Oh, I want them talking about me. Holly said, Holly said, because this happens all the time. And Holly said, Caleb, he said, you just make, you just make their demons angry. Ah, hallelujah. If preaching the truth makes the devil mad, all I can tell you is Satan, get you, uh, get you some Rolades and get you an ibuprofen. Take you some Valium because I ain't getting, I'm not stopping. I'm not slacking up. I'm not shutting up. Oh, neither are you. Neither are you. You cannot compromise. You hear me, church? And this is why we can't compromise. What God's Word it says, God's Word means. What does He say? He calls sin, sin. And there is a, now I'm going to get to what I'm preaching on. There is a perversion that has swept across this country. And it didn't start yesterday. It started with a little bit of compromise. And now you can't turn on your TV without seeing two men having sex. Or two women having sex. You can't. They make you think that this perversion, oh, that ain't it. Now, the, the man talks like a man, sounds like a man, looks like a man, but swears up and down he's a woman. Vice versa. You got a man with beautiful long hair. He's growing him out. But that long hair don't make you a woman, does it, Dustin? No, it don't. You can put on a women's swimsuit. You can have long hair. You can look in the, women, in the mirror and say, I I am a pretty woman. <laughs> but if God made you a man, help me somebody, you, you are a man. And if God made you a woman, then you are a woman. But there's a great perversion that's took over. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making a... You say, Pastor, are you making fun? Are you joking? No. These people are ill. Spiritually ill. Not mentally ill. Spiritually ill. And you don't want to tell them the truth. No, you know what we want to do? We want to love them and say, it's okay. You want your best boyfriend. Women, you want to have your best friend be these two gay guys. No. <laughs> Ain't trying to get nobody. <laughs> but the truth is, church, instead of you telling them the truth, you say you love them, you don't love them. Would, it, would the doctor be a good doctor if you were ate up with cancer and he told you, hey, you don't got no cancer, you just got a cold, here, take some medicine. Would you be mad at him? Would you be mad at him in a couple weeks you found out some other doctor told you you got stage 4 cancer and you are dying and you are going to die and there is no hope for you? Would you be mad at that doctor who put his arms around you and said it ain't no big deal, it's just a cold, it made you feel good for a moment, it gave you security for a moment, but what happens when you stand in front of God? We are the only ones with truth. I'm not, hey, I'm not talking about these people in this church. I'm talking about born-again believers. Those who believe this to be the infallible word of God without error. Then we have the only truth. But we've compromised. And because of our compromise, and it didn't start there. It didn't start with perversion of homosexuality. You know what it started with? Perversion in the bedroom. Perversion on the TV screen. It started with people saying, our marriage isn't no big deal anymore. We can shack up. We need to practice being married before we get married to see if it works. I love you. If you're doing that, God loves you. But I'm telling you, that's not God's best for your life. 
God, listen, woman, you're giving up what shouldn't be given up until he gives in and surrenders and says, you're the, you're the woman I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. So it didn't start where we, it didn't it didn't start where we're at now. It was a little bit of perversion, a little bit of compromise. Are you with me? And here's the results. Here is what's going to happen because truth's been vandalized, because we are desensitized, because the church has compromised. Our children are going to be victimized. Our children are going to be victimized. I don't know if you read it. I don't care how you voted, by the way. I don't care who you voted for. I don't, I'm not here to pick your person up. You voted for, put him here or put him there. I'm t- talking the truth. If the truth lines up with how you vote and how you live, good. If it don't, get right. The U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services. I don't know what they do. I don't care. I didn't care four years ago. I don't care today until they start telling me how I need to live. Let me tell you what these people who are so smart have decided. You want to know? If you got children in here, we have children's church for a reason. Because I'm fixing to say some things that are, if I will, I already have. Let me tell you what this person said that we should do. Now, this person is in the administration of the current president. And this is what his idea, he wrote a paper, they wrote a paper of suggestion. And this is what the health, the Department of Health and Human Services thinks. If you have a nine-year-old child, or eight, or 11, or 12, and they decide this is, It's a little girl. Your little girl decides, I think I'm a boy. You know what you should do? You should tell them, is that how you feel? Yes, that's how I feel. Then you should then raise your little girl as a little boy. Don't stop there. And we think that there should be federal funds that help little nine-year-old boys who want to be girls have their face feminized. You think I'm playing? You think I made this up? All you got to do is look at it. Any, 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 you can look at the exact paper that they drafted and sent. This happened three weeks ago. That if they want to be a girl, then they can, we should, you taxpayers, because this is Medicaid, Peach Care, and all those things that we help, I think should be there in place to help people if they need it, but not to ruin a child's life. Take a nine-year-old, and let them have surgery, change their face, have them mutilated. The actual wording in the paper was top surgery and bottom surgery. Where they modify the chest. And they mutilate, because there is no other word. That before they have puberty and go and go enter into puberty that they'll take medicine that'll keep them let me tell you something that's sick that is disgusting and it originates from a deep dark place in hell and they're shoving this down the throats of our children Because the church has been vandalized. Because we have grown desensitized. Because we have begun to compromise. And our children now are being victimized. They are having to pay the price of it. 
So let me get back to this story. The Bible says that the king of Babylon took the city captive, and then, I want you to read right here, verse 3. The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from nobility, young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. Who did the king of Babylon want to take? Who? The children. See, if you're going to turn a country upside down and change the culture, Satan knows he can only do so much with you. So he puts his eyes on your children. And while you're playing the cool parent, while, while you're playing the I don't want to make nobody upset card, Satan is having his way with your children. Let me ask you this. I don't know what city. New York City, that's a big city. Everybody knows about New York. New York, big city, let's say Times Square. How many been there? There's good things in Times Square. One of my favorite churches in Times Square. Great things in Times Square. Terrible things in Times Square. Kind of like Waycross. Great things, terrible things. Everywhere you go. But let me ask you this. Would you take your child, if your child said, Oh, Mama, Daddy, uh, would you take me to New York and just drop me off in, in the middle of Times Square? Would you mind? I won't mess nothing up. I won't do nothing. I'll be fine. It'll be okay. How many of you would drive up to New York and say, no problem, open the car and let your children out? Anybody? Anybody do that? Take your minor and drop them out? Anybody? Why? 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 You wouldn't do that because there's some, there's some things they could get into. There's some trouble that they could get into, right? Somebody could hurt them. Are y'all listening? Watch me. Watch me. Somebody could hurt them. Somebody could bother them. Somebody could abuse them. Right? Kidnap them. You would never do that. You wouldn't even put them in the middle of a Willacoochee. You wouldn't, would you? Why do you give them a cell phone? No, 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 no. hold on just a second. Because I'm not trying to get cool points. I'm not trying to get an applause. But I don't get a thrill out of sitting in that office and somebody sitting on the other side of that couch pouring out to me all the things sin has destroyed and took from them and their children. You wouldn't drop your kids off in the middle of New York City because you're afraid of what they would get into. But you will give a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old a phone. And if you have, I'm not trying to make you mad, but you have opened them up to the entire world. Every bit of vileness and disgusting filth that you can imagine is one click away. They do not have to buy an airline ticket. They don't have to get on a subway. They don't have to take a car ride. It's one search in the browser. And they're lying to you too, by the way. Right now, they're not here. Maybe they're in children's church. Do yourself a favor. Don't tell them you're going to do it. Snatch their phone from them. And you read what they're looking at and what they're watching. But be ready. Be ready. You say, you don't know what you're talking about. I know more than you think I know. And what's going on in one child's life, I don't think your child is that much different. At this, it ain't their fault either. And guess who's paying for it? You are. You paid for them to become a lesbian. 
You paid for them to decide they're homosexual now. You know why? Because people are telling them on the other side of the phone, every little TikTok, every little Snapchat, every little whatever, is telling them how mod and cool it is to be gay. You introduce your kids to sexting. You know what that is? You know what sexting is? Where you, your 12-year-old sends a picture of their nude body to a 16-year-old boy? You paid for that. And there's teachers in this, in this, in this, in this house right now. There was teachers in this house this morning at 9 o'clock, and you know what they were saying? With tears in their face. Because they know. They know. You say, you think your child's innocent? You've lost your mind. But I'll guard her like a bulldog. You say, well, you'll keep her too close. Well, she'll, when she gets out, she'll escape. Do you hear me? And then she'll learn how to live her life. But until I think she can make decisions on her own, it's my job. Hell wants your children. Mama, Daddy, hell wants your children. They want to steal their innocence from them. This is real. My heart breaks for the moms and the dads who call me and tell me, well, I can't even understand what they're saying because they're hyperventilating. Pray for my child. Pray. I grab their phone. Pray. They're living this kind of life. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Friend, we've got to stand up. I know this ain't popular. But do I, do I continue to make appointments in my office? And, and try to uh, correct things after they've already happened, Jamie? That can't be corrected, by the way. I can't change. What you see, you cannot erase in your mind. You remember when your innocence was stolen from you. And you can't erase it. And you can't take it from me. And so when you sit on my couch or you call me, at that time, it's too late. And we were busy being cool. We were busy compromising. We were busy going to church, but not hearing no truth. All the while, our children are being victimized. And it's easy to ignore this and say, Pastor, you're not telling the truth, and you just ignore it and say it's not happening, but it's happening. Please. Put guards on your children. Their life is at stake. Men, where are the men at? If you're a man, you know you're a man, you look in the mirror today and you're a man, raise your hand. Raise it up like a man. There is a place that only you can hold. A woman cannot do it. Listen, women. I love women. My wife's a woman. But I'm telling you right now, there is a place that God designed a man to be. And the Bible says the man is the high priest of the home, the spiritual leader of the home. You say, no, not I. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, you are. You may do be doing a sucky job at leading, but you are the leader. And what you allow, you allow. And wherever you lead, you lead. Your wife can't be the high priest of your home. She cannot be the spiritual leader of your home. She'll try. She'll do a great job. She'll spare your kids from a lot. 
But God's best is for the man to be a man. Why do you think society has attacked the man? Why do you think he's crossing up genders? And this lie that a woman is the same as a man and a man's the same as a woman, that's a lie. The man, a woman's not the same as a man. We're equal, but we are not the same. But society is trying to paint a picture that gets us to believe what the king of this world is saying. And just like the king of Babylon took the children, took the young men, the king of this world, Satan, is trying to take our children from us. And he will only do it if men... You allow him to do it. I'm running out of time. But the Bible says they took the young men. Now watch this. The good looking, suitable for instruction, knowledgeable. And then look what they've done. Read it with me. You don't have to read that loud, but just look at it. He then was to teach them a new language and out of a new book. The king of this world trying to teach us a new language. Do away with he and she and him and whatever. Now it's those or neutral or whatever. You see I hadn't took the class. They're trying to teach us a new language. There's no Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse no more. It's my C's. Mouse and Mouse. Your books, slowly, slowly, that your children are reading, that are in your school, in the school. It, by the way, that we pay for. Let's not go there. Guess what? They're slowly taking out the boy. Guess what? John's got two daddies. Jenny's got two mamas. Today on your phone, today on your phone, you can look up. You guess what? Look what? How smart! You got to be smart to make an iPhone. I mean, it, you can talk to it. It can tell you where to go. Stupid enough to have a, what do you call that? An emoji of a man who's pregnant. <laughs> women, you should be mad about that. Let me, let me get down here with the women. Where are my women at? <laughs> women, wave at me. Come on, you're a woman and you're proud of it? Love your estrogen? Come on. All right. You should be um, livid that a man can tell you he can get pregnant. And, hey, I'm preaching. No, I'm joking. That, I don't know what you said. It probably was good. Listen, you should be mad because only a woman can take a a being, hold it in her body. Nine months, ankles swelling, blood pressure going high, everything stretching out, waddling, hot all the time, throwing up, lay on the table. Endure pain that a man don't know nothing about. Where's the ladies at? Come on, I thought y'all be sure. 
while the man's sitting over there, tired. <laughs> and you are having contractions. And you are able to deliver a child, which seems humanly impossible, physically impossible, and yet you do it. And some idiot, moron, asinine, jack leg, stupid, ignorant, genius, that builds iPhones and programs them and sends out and designs emojis, makes an emoji with a man with his hand over here behind his back and a pregnant belly. Let me tell you something. We have lost our ever-loving minds. And if you, say, if you say a man can't get pregnant, did you know now? That's a hate speech. That's hate crime to say a man can't get pregnant. Listen, I ain't the smartest man in the world. I wasn't raised in Brantley County, but listen, I, I'm telling you. But I got, I got all eight years of Ware County High School. Well, I mean, yeah, we do it twice. I'm telling you now, I know the difference in a man and a woman. And I know the difference in the Word of God and a lie. And we've got to stand upon the Word. Now, let me finish. I'm getting way off track here. Some of y'all don't go to this church. You won't never be back. I get it. <clears throat> some people love us, some people hate us. They've done that to Jesus too, by the way. He didn't have none in the middle. They either loved him or hated him. Let me finish. But what did Daniel do? So, so Daniel's been kidnapped. They try to teach him how to talk, a new way to talk, a new way to read. So they changed his literature. You know what they did? Put, up, put this point up. They gave him a new name. That's what it says. It says, and then they changed their names. They changed Daniel's name to Belshazzar. They changed Shadrach's, uh, excuse me, Hanaya's name to Shadrach, Mishael's name to Meshach, and Az Azariah to Abednego. And let me tell you, so they tried to change the way they thought, change the way they talked, and then they changed their, in an effort to change their identity. And Satan wants you to believe you're not who God made you. He's trying to steal the identity of our children. He's trying to steal the identity of some adults in here. Yeah. You've, been, you've helped the, 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 the struggle of compromise and the intense temptation to compromise and to give in. But can I remind you, I don't care what the world calls you. I don't care even what you call you or Satan calls you. You are a child of the Most High God. You, you, I don't matter how long they call you Belshazzar, you are Daniel. You are Daniel. You are righteous and you are holy. And God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you are to live and to serve him. And let me tell you something. You can say, well, no, I'm going to do this. Listen, you'll never do it with any joy. Some of y'all are running from the Lord right now, and the high just ain't as high. The sex just ain't as pleasurable. The running around just ain't as fun anymore. You are running from the Lord. The what gave you joy doesn't give you joy anymore. What, give you, what made you feel good don't feel good anymore. Because you're not who you used to be. You've been born again. You messed around and got saved. And you're going to live for God or you're going to be miserable. Do you hear me? But this is what Daniel done. The last thing they told Daniel is that, Daniel, not only are we going to do all these things, change your name, change what you read, change the way you think, change all this. Not only are we going to do that, but we're going to make you eat a different food that you normally don't eat. See, he was a Jew, so they didn't eat pork. And they, one of the big things they did, they didn't eat food that was meat that was sacrificed to idols. That was a big no-no if you were a Jew. They weren't going to do it. And when they told him that, the king, or Daniel said, let me, let, me, let, me, let me explain something to you. 
Daniel says he determined that he would not defile himself. So here is Daniel. Listen to me real good. I know I'm closing. It's been a long, I know I've been going a long time. Listen, here's, here's in closing. Daniel was in a foreign country who served foreign gods, but Daniel was not going to roll over and play nice. Daniel made up his mind. That's the first point I want you to see. Daniel made up his mind. Daniel determined, the Bible says, that he would not, he would not defile his God. He would not defile himself. He would not eat what they were serving. And I'm telling you, refuse to eat what they're trying to shove down your throat. Refuse to eat it. Remnant church, refuse to eat it. I don't care if nobody don't like you. I don't care if they call you a racist, a bigot, or whatever, a homophobic. Don't you eat what they are serving you. You serve God. You are righteous. You are holy. And you stand for truth. Are you okay? Do not. Eat what they're trying to force down your throat. You got to make up your mind. Not only do you have to make up your mind, number two, you got to take a stand. Let me tell you something. The day where you can be a Christian and not take a stand, that don't, that don't, that don't exist anymore. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't take a stand, you ain't a Christian. You may not be a Muslim, but you ain't no Christian. You may, your mama might have been a Christian, your daddy might have been a Christian, but if you don't take a stand, there's a whole lot of moving going on. If you do not take a stand, you're going to fall. I heard somebody say, I don't know who it was, but if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And then number three, you've got to trust God. Daniel said, I'm not eating what you're trying to give. Well, you'll starve to death. Daniel said, no, no, no. Daniel said, I'll tell you what. It's in the Bible. Read it. Daniel said, I'll tell you what. You, you give everybody else whatever you want to give them, but just give me an old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You give us just some vegetables. You give us vegetables and water. We don't want your meat. We don't want your, uh, we don't want your uh, pigs in a blanket. We don't want none of that. Just give us vegetables and water he said i can't do that he said if i give you vegetables and water you're gonna look skinnier than the rest of these people we kidnapped and the king's gonna want to kill me because i ain't taking care of you he said oh no 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 trust me trust what i'm telling see he knew god was able to keep him he didn't, it didn't matter if he was in babylon babylon uh in a foreign country if he was kidnapped and all by himself he knew he could not get away from god he knew god was with him he said no 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 he said give me vegetables and water and watch what god does he said, yeah, but you'll be losing weight. The king will be mad. He said, try me. He said, give us 10 days. You give them whatever you want to give them, but give me and some Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you give us vegetables. The Bible says 10 days later, after eating nothing but carrots and broccoli and water. How many know if you eat carrots and broccoli and water, you lose weight? You won't gain weight. They started eating them carrots. They started eating them bro that broccoli, drinking that water. Everybody else was having sweet tea, pork chops. <laughs> In the 10 days, the king's right-hand man looks at him and says, I, don't be I wouldn't believe it if I didn't see it. I couldn't see it with my own eyes. I wouldn't believe this. He said, what is it, king? What is it, sir? He said, they've been eating all the king's food, and y'all four have been eating vegetables and water, but y'all are fatter than they are. You look healthier than they do. Your muscles are stronger. You look better than they do. I don't get it. God is able. Let me tell you something. Some of you think it's hard to take a stand. It's hard to do without. Some of you think, there ain't no way I can live without them or him or that. And you know what the Lord's saying? You can't live with that. That's a word for somebody. You don't think you can live without it. And the Lord's saying you can't live with it. You can't live in it. 
He said, I don't believe what I'm seeing. They're stronger. They're healthier. I believe old Daniel, and I don't know this. I'm making this up. Y'all heard that, right? I said, I'm making it up. I don't know it to be the truth. But I just know Daniel was a praiser. We'll get into that next week. He was a worshiper. You think we was worshiping God today? Like, throw up your hands and that song and all that. And you thought, man, they're kind of crazy. They're singing it over and over again. Oh, you ain't heard singing nothing. Boy, Daniel is a praiser. You hear me? Daniel is a praiser. I think just Daniel, after, he, after, the, after the king's right-hand man seen all that, and he said, I don't know how it's going. I don't know how you've done that. Musicians, singers, young come. I don't know how you got fat off of broccoli and carrots. You should be starving to death. You should be skinny in the face. That's what he said. He said, I'm afraid when we look at your face, it'll look skinny, skinnier than the other guys. But he said, my God is able. My God is able to keep me. And I'm telling you, church, if you will stand, if you will trust God. Are you listening to me? Listen to me. Listen to me. This is the end. If you'll stand and if you'll trust God, God will reward you. And you know what your reward will be? Your reward will be revival. Your reward will be prodigals coming home. Your reward, mom, where's the mamas and the daddies at? Your reward will be your son and daughter living for Christ. That's your reward. That's your reward. I said, that's your reward. You've got to know that God is able to keep you. Trust Him. It doesn't matter what they're saying about you. It doesn't matter how out of touch you may seem Daniel know this my God is able to keep me my God is able to take care of me and if I trust him my re- how many parents in here want your kids to go to heaven You want God's best for your children. You want God's best for your life. You have a responsibility. You say, well, I served God and I lived for God and my, my, my kids are not serving God. Well, the Bible said they weren't going to always serve God, but there was a promise. Before their time's up, they're going to come back to God. If you train them up in the way they should go. In the end. End. Somebody say end. You ain't in the end yet. But in the, at the end, at their end, they will not depart. I'm saying, church, it's time to take a stand. To be silent is to be in agreement. To not take a hatred towards sin. Defile it. I'm not talking about hating the sinner. This church loves the sinners. This church, it was built for the sinners. If you're today, you're not saved, you're fixing to get saved. Because we've been praying for you. We've been believing God for you. This church, you can come to this church high. You can come to this church jacked up. As long as you don't ain't louder than me, you can come to this church how do I, you say you're just saying that? No, I'm telling you, I know that. That's who we are. Last time I checked, I'm the pastor, and that's who we're going to be. That's what we're going to do. That's who we've reached. I'm not against the sinner, but I hate the sin that's killing you. And we're going to preach the truth, we're going to stand for the truth. And I'm going to give you an opportunity today to accept the truth. Stand with me all across the church. With every eye looking right here at me like I'm the only person in the room, I want to have a conversation with you. Do you know this truth that I'm talking about? Have you accepted this truth? Are you living this truth? If you are not, just as soon as I'm just as sure as I'm standing here, there are two places where you will spend eternity. Only two places. There is no purgatory. There is no in-between. There are two places. You either spend 
your eternity forever in hell or heaven. And it's based on a decision. Did you know it's almost impossible for your children to go to heaven if you're not teaching them about the Lord? Mom and Daddy, I don't have time to tell you how hellacious hell is, but I'll tell you this. It's like being at the point of death, and the most painful death that you've ever experienced, but never dying. And staying in that state forever. Let me tell you what heaven is. Heaven is a place that God has prepared for you. If it wasn't so, He wouldn't have told you. But He goes to prepare a place for you. That where He is, there you may be also. And He's prepared this place for you. But you don't get to this place because you're good. You don't get to this place because you go to church. You get this place because you get a relationship with Christ. And this relationship with Christ grows, grows, and grows until you're spending forever with Him in heaven. And you receive this relationship with Christ by simply believing in Him. Did I paint a picture of what the world looks like? What I said today? Could most of you agree? Yeah. This is the perversion and the sickness of the world. Would you not agree that it would have to be hell-inspired? That the king of this world, Satan, that it has to be him blowing, <coughs> moving the wind of this world? Has to be. He's trying to take as many people to hell with him. But today, you don't have to go. You see this cross? Notice there's no Jesus on this cross. You know why? Because this cross is empty. Because Jesus got up off the cross and he went to a tomb. But on the third day, he rose again. <clears throat> and if you place your faith today in Jesus Christ and believe that he died for you and he rose again for you, that he can deliver you from this darkness, this perversion, he can save your children. He can turn your life completely around. If you'll believe that today, Jesus will save you. It's simply by believing. The Bible says, Whosoever shall believe upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You recognize you're a sinner? Maybe you've never placed your faith in Christ. Maybe you're not living for Him. Let's just be real. Are you living for God? In every decision that you make, do you have a God consciousness about you? Where you think, is God pleased with this? Is God not pleased with this? Would God want me to do this? Are you living for the Lord? I mean, be honest. If you're not today, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, this place right here, what I love about Remnant Church is we don't like to be sad. We like to throw parties. And the Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one soul comes to the kingdom of God. We're going to baptize some people today. We're going to celebrate rejoice, but I want to give you an opportunity today with every head bowed and every eye closed. I feel the Spirit of the Lord dealing with some people, with some daddies, some mamas, some students, but really for some dads out there today, some moms. You see what's at stake? It's not just you, not your life, not just your life but the life of your children. Hear that baby crying, talking? No, listen. With every head bowed and eye closed, did you hear it? That was innocence. That was an innocence. She doesn't know she shouldn't, or he should not be saying anything. They don't know that because they're innocent. Innocent. And the innocence of our children is at stake. If we don't stand, who's going to stand? The school system's not going to. The government's not. We got to stand. And it stand, we stand first by getting something to stand upon and getting our relationship with Christ where it needs to be. 
today across this room with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you do not know that you are saved, if you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, but you're tired of riding the fence, you're a good person, maybe you're a good person, but you're not saved. You haven't asked Jesus into your life. You're not living for God. You're not consciously thinking about God in every decision that you make. You're not leaving a, living a life that's, that's where you're trying to be pleasing to Him. You say, that I'm not doing that. Well, then you're not saved. But if you want to be saved, all you got to do is call out on the name of the Lord. You say, Pastor, I want to be, before I leave, I want to give my life to Christ today. If that's you, there ain't nobody looking. Lift up your hand right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just lift it up high right now. Lift it up. I see that hand. Anybody else? Lift it up. I see that hand. Don't be shy. Don't be scared. Just lift it up. Lift it up high. Sir, you know everything's right between you and God. You can walk out of here knowing that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. I've seen those hands that went up, but I want to give you one more opportunity today. If you don't know, sir, ma'am, would you raise it? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you from right here. I'm not even going to make you come down today. You say, Pastor, remember me when you pray. I want to give my life to the Lord. Anybody else? Raise it up high right now. I see that hand. I see that hand. Who else? Who else? Keep it up where I can see it. All right, listen, look at me right now. If you raised your hand today, you raised your hand today, now we're going to pray. And we're all going to pray. You're not going to pray by yourself. A prayer doesn't save you. But if you believe the prayer that you're praying, if you believe it with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, today Jesus will come into your life and He will save you. And now, what do I do after that? You live for Him. You live for Him. You go to church. You, you find you a good church. This is a good one. Go here. If not here, if not from here, find one. Go to New Believers Small Group every Monday night at 7 o'clock with people who've just been saved. Have someone teach you. But today, if you raise your hand, I don't want to wait any longer. If you raise your hand, let's pray this prayer. Everybody, say it with me. Are you ready? Say, Lord, here I am. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me under your blood. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. My life is at stake. The life of my children are at stake. I want to be the man and the woman of God that you've called me to be. I surrender my life to you. I turn away from sin. I make you the Lord of my life. I'm going to live for you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your joy. I receive your love. I receive your grace. And today, I know I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give the Lord praise? We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.